Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you're having a good day wherever you are, either listening to us in your car or in your office or as you are working in your yard. Glad to have you aboard on another edition of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com and on iTunes. This week's guest is State Representative Ted James from Baton Rouge. And we have a really good conversation. I want to tell you in advance. We talk a lot about where Ted came from. We talk a lot about his ideals and some of his ideas. And we talk a lot about what's happening in inner city communities around our country. It's a really good conversation, a good chance to have that specific dialogue with him. He also talks about his ambitions, the possibility of running for mayor next year. I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in hearing what he has to say about that. And I put the question to him directly. When is he going to run for mayor? And you'll hear his comments about that. He talks about the budget deficit, of course, Uh, That is something the legislature is dealing with right now, a $1.6 billion budget shortfall, how we got there. I asked him about the legislature's role and the budget deficit being what it is. And I think you'll be intrigued by his answer. I certainly was. And you'll get to hear that for yourself. We talk about some of what's going on between law enforcement operations and communities around this country. We have a conversation about that. We also talk about the perception of some African-Americans of others, right? The way black people look at other black people, specifically successful ones, and some of the things that go into that, and whether or not he sees it as a personal responsibility of his to represent his community in the right way. It's it's an engrossing conversation. I thought it went very, very well. I am very interested in hearing your take, and you can let me know what your take is on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at ClayYoungBR, as in Baton Rouge, at ClayYoungBR. Or, of course, you can comment with me on Facebook. I try to respond to every comment I get. Sometimes it's later in the day. Sometimes it's a day later. Sometimes it's a couple days later. I keep a fairly full schedule, but I try to reply to everyone who sends me a message because I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this show and then even more time to tell me about it. So thank you so much for that. Warriors for Freedom. Talk about it on every show. Coming up at the end of May, the Warriors Weekend. That is right. We're going to have a 5K on Saturday, the 30th. Smoke them if you got them. A mixer at Ben 77 in Baton Rouge on Sunday, the 31st. And then on Monday, a golf tournament at the University Club in Baton Rouge. You can learn more. Go to your Google machine and pull up Warriors for Freedom, Louisiana. And I think you'll find out how you can get involved with the Remember the 22 campaign. It's our way of bringing awareness to the fact that 22 military veterans a day commit suicide. 22 a day. We can do better. You know we can do better. So let's do better. Now, having said that, we'll take a quick break. Up next, our conversation with State Representative Ted James here on The Clay Young Show. If we could show you the newly redesigned 2016 Acura ILX, we'd open on a tight shot of our signature Jewel-Eye LED headlights piercing through the darkness as a stormy fog rolls in. Next, we cut inside the cabin, panning over the dashboard to the available dual-panel control system, both of the high-tech screens glowing, awaiting command. 
Then we move across the sleek lines of the ILX's redesigned exterior. Light falls against its aggressive curves as its 2.4-liter engine revs with anticipation. Finally, we slowly zoom in on the ILX badge and then poof, it's gone. It's 8-speed dual-clutch transmission in full effect before charging out of view. But because we can't show you any of this, you'll just have to see the lightning quick ILX for yourself. Come into your local Acura dealer for a test drive. The new 2016 Acura ILX. Catch it if you can. Visit Acura of Baton Rouge, 13550 Airline Highway, or get information online at AcuraBR.com. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. State Representative Ted James joins us now on the Clay Young Show. Ted, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Clay. I'm, I'm doing well this morning. I say good morning as we record this. It's uh, Wednesday morning. Let's talk a little bit about Ted James. Where did he come from? What ingredients went into making Ted James the man he is today? I'll, I'll tell you this, and I make no secret about it. Uh, my parents were very strong in my life. Uh, my parents were always politically involved. We, we talked about okay. certain things um, at home. And I remember I was in the second grade with George Bush and Michael Dukakis. And we had a, a mock election at school. And my parents asked me who I voted for. And I told them I voted for George Bush. You know, and of course, my parents being Democrats asked, you know, <laughs> why did you vote for, for George Bush? And I, I told them, I said, the other guy was too short. Uh, he didn't. He didn't look presidential yeah, to right, me. Right. Um, so they laughed like like you're laughing yeah. today. But we had this this conversation about not only voting but being an informed voter and and looking at the issues right. and, and the people. Um, and from that moment, I always asked a lot of questions and I always um, had an interest in how citizens' concerns lead to policy and how government um, affects our everyday life. Um, so it's it's always been something that has been of interest to me. Do you think uh, what kind of um, or what kind of politician or elected official would you describe yourself as being? There are some people who get elected because they care so much about fiscal matters. Some people are only into logistics. They want to be a part of the the infrastructure of a city of a state. They go to Congress and they want to serve on ways and means. And they, uh, you know, some people have health care uh, issues, doctors, medical people. What would you say is your area of interest, even though you serve all of the people? What's your particular area of interest? I'll tell you this. When when I was elected as a as an attorney and with a, a criminal law background, you know, those criminal justice issues, I work for the Department of Revenue. So so tax mm -hmm. issues. But because of the issues of what's going on in our state, right. I've been focused a lot more on on education okay. issues um, and, of course, health care. Because, right. you know, I found myself not really advocating for the things that I think um, need to, to change. But, right. you know, being more responsive to the people. And I think those issues have kind of dominated my last well, my three years there. You went to and pull that mic a little bit closer to okay. you there. Uh, and, and you, of course, are, are a graduate of Southern University. That's right. And you went to the Southern University Law School here in Baton Rouge. Correct. Um, your time at Southern, what, what about that developed, helped develop you as well into the person you are? You know, it's funny. I ran for office every year when I was at Southern um, undergrad and only won once. Okay. Um, and, and that um, that pride that we had. Oh, yeah. Um, that... Um, that thirst to be be great mm -hmm. um, and developing as a leader. You yeah. know, in high school, 
Um, you know, I, I consider myself to be a leader, but when you get on, on this campus with leaders from all across the country, yeah. um, it only molds you and, and iron sharpens iron. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it only made me a, a better um, listener sure. um, and, and made me a better um, friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also just taught me, you know, the, the history of Southern and how Southern, you know, these very humble beginnings mm-hmm. um, and then um, just this 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 rise to yeah. to prestige um and and then we started like currently we're facing some some troubles but that helped mold me to yeah. you know just being so focused on issues facing young people do you think southern will be around in the next 20 years i certainly hope so looking um, bleak though right yeah and and it's looking bleak for not only southern but all of our our regional institutions yeah. um you know the the sad thing is they're too many of my colleagues don't understand the need for Southern. And, mm-hmm. and it's not even about, you know, African-Americans can go anywhere sure. in the country right Absolutely. now. Uh, but there are, there should be universities that open doors to the folks that when you look at their ACT scores that you would probably think that they wouldn't be successful. Right. Um, but but Southern knows how to, to nurture that student. And that student that had a 3-2 GPA but had a, a 15 on the ACT, should we just say, hey, you you have to go directly to community college and right. maybe you could um, elevate to a four-year institution. Southern knows how to nurture those kids. Do you think the people running the university have done a good job? Not so much the professors, but the brain trust on the board of directors, because I'll tell you that I think there should be more growth now. Uh, Baton Rouge Community College and Baton Rouge, for those of you listening in other places, it has grown. I think enrollment has surpassed Southern University and it's a smaller campus area, but it's constantly developing. There's always construction going on and Southern has evolved over the years, but it just appears like there's no, there's not as much growth over mm-hmm. say 15 years as you've seen since Myrtle Dorsey went over to BRCC and, and did what she did there. Most definitely. I remember when BRCC opened mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you, and I, I've said this, a million times I've probably tweeted it. Southern, get out of your own way. Yeah. Um, and I was I was happy to see that we had, you know, new board members. Sure. Um, I think a lot of the politics with the board has um stalled some mm-hmm. of the progress. Why do you think um, that is? Why why do you think there is I mean there's politics on every board, not yeah. just picking on this one. I'm sure that similar politics exist on university boards all across the country. Most definitely. But particularly here, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think that with with our board, we are we have traditionally gotten a smaller piece of the pie. So mm-hmm. when you're getting such a, a small piece, there's so many competing factors to to divvy out that small piece of pie. Right. And there there are certain people that when you when you get on this board, it's a service. It's not um, to elevate you in the community. It's sure. it's for you to to pour into the the institution. I think that too many people have gotten confused about their role yeah um and with southern being the only hbcu with with the entire system there's some pride that goes with that um but it shouldn't elevate you personally and i think that we've had too many people focused on on you me and i and not not us you know um and and i think that like you mentioned brcc we have a program at southern where students can come to the, the Baton Rouge campus, they're actually, but they're actually enrolled in Southern Shreveport, which is a two-year yeah, campus. Right. Um, and But uh, students don't know about that. Yeah. And BRCC has done an amazing job of, of marketing. Um, they've done an amazing job of expansion. And their programs, they're adding new programs mm-hmm. almost every year. Right. 
And um, with that, when, when you Southern went to close admissions, yeah. um, that, that student that I talked about that may have done horrible on the ACT because of the laws of the state of Louisiana, now they can't go to a Southern. Now they're forced into a BRCC. Um, and, you know, and I understand the, I guess, the, the motivation behind it because we got to have a skilled workforce sure, and, sure. and we hear from business leaders all the time, you know, we need more people with that skill and college isn't for everybody. Yeah. Um, but the relevance of Southern University mm-hmm. is to, to nurture that student that numbers and society may have told them, hey, you're not going to make it. You got to go to sure. uh, a community college in order to, um, you know, start your education and then hopefully you can progress. You know, it's it's interesting being you are a this is your freshman term. Yes. As a legislator. Mm-hmm. And I could see you doing this for a while and going off to other things. And, you know, I can remember because it's been almost 20 years I've been around media marketing. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the first couple of years that I did it, I would run into people who would pull me aside. You know, people I didn't know and say, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking particularly about black people. Mm-hmm. And I knew what they meant Mm -hmm. because of some of the examples that make the A block of the six o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news every day. And I always wore it uh, on my sleeve that I I didn't want to be an embarrassment to my town, to my family. And now, you know, my immediate family in my house. Tell me about that with you, the, the responsibility that you think you carry because because there is an added level of responsibility on you most definitely and and i share that that same story uh, and you know my wife who's from houston when she started to, to come here while we were dating when people would come up to me in the grocery store and it, it might be a parent of a, a student who you know you visited my my kids sure. school um he, he couldn't stop talking about you or, or people in my district that's you know I, I i appreciate you you fighting that good fight um, so it, it is a it's what pushes me. It, it's that extra added motivation. But I also I have to recognize where it's coming from, yeah. because in my my private life as an attorney, when I go into a courtroom, I see a lot of black men in suits. Sure. Unfortunately, most of them are orange. Yeah. So that and, <laughs> yeah. and I know yeah. that it's young people emulate what they see. It's so amazing because I like people regardless of color, regardless where you, of where you come from. I was raised in a small town where people actually did mix when mm-hmm. I was coming through. You know, you played on football teams together. You played at the park together. You, and so I never really had the experience coming up of, at least not as a child, of mm-hmm. seeing some of the ugliness that can exist on both sides with race issues. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is a responsibility for so many of these young men who don't have access to a Ted James mm-hmm. They don't get to see a Ted James leaving in a suit every day going to work mm-hmm. or a Ted James leaving his house and going to serve at the Capitol. Most definitely. They, they generally get some poor examples. And that happens in many communities, but specifically in African-American communities. Mm-hmm. Well, what about that, man? I, you know, there's so many women who are raising boys alone because the men have walked away. Mm-hmm. What about that? You know, and it's sad. Uh, you know, in my family, I have young people that are being raised by their mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I have that responsibility to, to try to be a role model. But you can't, like I, like I said, you young people emulate what they see. And yeah. if they don't see examples of strong um, men in their communities, in their household, they're not going to know how to, to be one. Um, so I know that my responsibility, like 
before I came here, I was speaking to, was supposed to speak to some some young people. Sure. Um, and I tried to do that. Um, and when I speak to young people, they always say thank you and hey, just can I have your email? Can I have your phone number? And you know, and I tell young males all the time, don't be afraid to seek mentorship. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And I know that we have this this certain confidence and um, bravado about ourselves as as black men. But I didn't get here because of myself and right. and, and i know that you share that that right. story as well absolutely um and it's it's our responsibility to reach back but i tell the young people it's also your responsibility to reach up um because we have to have you know that type of um trust for each other yeah in, in order to correct a lot of the ills that we see going on what's your first reaction when you're watching the six o'clock news or national news and you see some of the stories with these young men shooting up their neighborhoods and the, the pain that's caused by so many young men who seem to be recklessly, recklessly running down the road. What's your first reaction? You know, it upsets me. Yeah. It upsets me because of the store, our story. Um, and our story has always been that of unity. Um, and to see that so many of our young brothers aren't unified, um, to see that they have just such a, a reckless disregard for yeah. life. Um, it's upsetting. It's it's quite quite frankly, it's embarrassing sometimes. Um, and you know, you look at the the situations and the communities, but you I can't make excuses for everybody. So we're, we're you and I are going to talk a little bit about this recent thing that's happening with 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 police and mm-hmm. and with communities. But before we get there, there are young black men shot dead in neighborhoods every day, including neighborhoods in this town, in New Orleans, in Shreveport, in Alexandria. And it barely makes the news. And mm-hmm. if it does, it's there was a shooting on so-and-so street today. Law enforcement are looking for a suspect. That's it. Mm-hmm. When there is a, a shooting that involves people of different races, it can dominate the news for a week. Mm-hmm. That's always frustrated me. Mm-hmm. Every life is important. Most definitely. All lives matter. That's right. That's right. But why don't... African-American communities in large, because lots of people in those communities are speaking out. They are trying to get attention. They just can't make the news. Mm -hmm. But in mass, why aren't the communities saying enough is enough? Exactly. You know, and I told some young folks Saturday, you can't say expect other people to, you know, grab onto this whole black lives matter thing if if black lives don't matter to us to black people exactly and right I, and i think that on the news and in our communities it's so frequent that yeah. a black man is is killed by another black it man. becomes white noise exactly. pardon the pun. It's, it's not <laughs> even it's not even news <laughs> right, anymore yeah. um and our communities have always been strong yeah um and the outrage needs to exist every time a mother is you know, has to to show up on the scene, and it doesn't matter who is on the other side. That's exactly right. Um, and you know, and I've been criticized sometimes because you know I'm the only young black male that's elected here, mm-hmm. and and I haven't been one that's that's that post on social media about Black Lives Matter, and I can't breathe. I, I feel the pain absolutely, um, and, and I and I definitely think that there are some issues with law enforcement across the country, but I'm outraged every time every one time. of my brothers um, is murdered, and it's Especially, I'm more outraged when there's another black man on the other side of that gun. Ted, I've sat in the courtroom with the Brave program and have had the chance to look out at the gallery with the kids that come into the program that that Hiller Moore runs here. And I see 14 and 15 year old boys Mm -hmm. 
who are either in shackles or some of them being almost dragged in by their their mothers or mm-hmm. grandmothers and they're sitting there. And the first time I you know I think I've been to every one of the the meetings that have happened the first time man it almost brought me to tears. I you know I, I just got to be honest cuz I'm thinking this is a shame. Mm-hmm. I mean these are babies. Mm-hmm. The fact that they are on this path hell bent toward destruction, mm-hmm. you know, put in prison, death, mm-hmm. whatever. We have failed them. Right. We're not talking about right. adults. We're talking about Kids. children. Yeah. We failed them. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I agree with you. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons I cannot practice in juvenile court. Yeah. It's, it's too overbearing for yeah. me. The, the load is, is too heavy because I, I see it. And I see that was me just 15 years ago. And, and 15 years ago, the only thing I was concerned about was, you know, what I'm wearing to school the next day. <laughs> That's right. Uh, where, where's the band performing right. and, and which basketball game are we going to go to on, right. on Friday? Which right. school are we going to go to? If it's a Southern Lab or a Scotlandville? And, and there was a sense I valued myself. Yeah. Um, and, and I hate that there's this, this void yeah. amongst young men of color mm-hmm. I mean, and just a reckless disregard and it seems like they they aren't even scared anymore and that's that's fearless that's, that's the the problem they you know jail is is not a, a fun place no and you know but it's it seems like it's almost a badge of honor to be a thug now that's right yeah you know, and it's where did that come from that's one of my pet peeves like i tell my sons if i catch your pants hanging off your behind you better be sitting on the toilet most definitely you know I don't care what anybody says. You know, it shouldn't matter what people think. People form an opinion about you the first time they the see you. The first time they see you. And sometimes you can paint such a dire bad picture that you can never recover, no matter what you go on to do with your life. That's right. And I tell people, you should not perpetuate the stereotypes that some folks already Absolutely. have. You know, I, my clients, I was like, don't come to court looking like you did right. what you accused of right. doing. Right. Um, and, and perception follows, and you never get it's a reality. second chance to make, make that first impression. Absolutely. And, and I think that you know, I listen to all types of music. Oh, sure. I'm not motivated by oh, it. Sure. I, don't, I don't live my life. There's so many young people that see different images, be it TV, be it music videos. And it shapes their reality. And it shapes their reality. And Absolutely. They think it's, they think it's the, the real world. So what happens if a Ted James, who is educated, smart, trying to do the right thing, comes along and I guess I'll just ask this. Have you ever heard the saying that uh, you are either uppity or you're acting white or uh, all of these things? Because I have. Yeah, most definitely. I have. I hear it all the time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think, what the hell does that mean? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Look at me. Exactly. <laughs> I can exactly. never pass for anything but what I am. <laughs> and and I think man. I share that. Right. I think right. I share that. So, so this self-hatred. But here's the thing. Success does not belong to any color success belongs to he or she who are willing to go after it and acquire it if you're willing to work for it you can get it doesn't matter what you look like where you came from bust your you know what and go get it that's it but when when children hear that there is something to be said about children not wanting to be smart in the classroom Mm -hmm. because they don't want to get picked on that's right because they don't want to get called all kinds of names Mm -hmm. you know just talk with me about that your experiences and what you think about that it's funny because even i went to mckinley and i didn't grow up in south baton rouge and you know my first year i had those 
you know, it was preppy. Then, yeah. You know, uh, you, you're, you're so preppy. You're, you're not from here. And the, the good thing about me, I had the, the confidence in myself. Yeah. And, and a lot of those people that, are, that were criticizing me back then are now calling me for help. That's you know? the way and, it works. And that, and that is, you know, that's when things start to come full circle. And I see, and, and I tell the young young women all the time, I, I say, you know, younger, it's your fault. Because the minute the young women stop saying that being a thug is cool, young boys are going to stop trying to be thugs. Start putting ties and, on. And, and, and I try to, to put that responsibility on the young women. But too many of, of our young people, they see that that instant what they think is is instant success yeah. instant no fame. such thing you know and when when i was in school if cleo fields or, or joe delpit or, or some of the people came to see or to speak to us at school that that inspired me when i go now they the first thing is what kind of car you drive i'm like oh well, i drive a honda oh man you're not making no money right. you're not doing this and they see certain things like i saw floyd mayweather today on tv with Five or six Bugattis on. Yeah, on, really. On, like you know, 15, 16 exactly, million dollars worth exactly. of cars. And too many of our young people, they they see that and are motivated yeah. by that. And they're not motivated by the the years of, of hard work. They don't no see question. The, the, the training. That's they don't the most important thing. Most definitely. The what's, journey. What's in the middle? The journey. Quick story. I have a, a distant relative. I, I was at an event and has known me since I was since I was a kid mm-hmm. and um, you know, my oldest boy was there and we're talking and he's just with the, with, with the quips. And, and I never was one for, as we call it, playing the dozens. That's I right. was never good at that. I had too bad a temper and it would just go <laughs> bad for me. And so uh, he's, he said uh, to my son, yeah, you know, uh, your dad, he was just, he was such a nerd. He was such a nerd. Back- no, he said uh, he was such a nerd, a geek. He was such mm-hmm. a geek back mm-hmm. then. I said, I'm still one. That's mm-hmm. why I have money in my That's pocket. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's right. I think we have to t- let kids know it's okay to use your brain. Exactly. You're not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Not every kid who's in high school is college material, but you could still go on, be productive and make some money doing something legal, ethical, mm-hmm. and Most that definitely. won't have you dodging bullets through your bedroom mm-hmm. window. Mm-hmm. Give kids, take, put the shine on hard work. Yeah. Get out there. And work. Find something you love and do it as hard as you can for as long as you can, and you will be just fine. That's right. And and what I tell, you know, my thing is everybody has hard circumstances. Absolutely. Um, but you can point to um, children of, of single parent mm-hmm. households. You can look at the White House and, and you see a product of a man who didn't have his father around. So that's not an excuse right. for not working hard no. and it should be that extra motivation and I'm going to work extremely hard. Right. I'm going to have a family and when I do have my own sons, I'm yeah. going to show them all of the love and everything that that I missed out on. Right. And 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 I think it's all about just pride in in yourself. Yeah. Um and that pride has to come from you know community. Yeah. Um my nieces and nephew, they they go through it now, the bullying and and I've had to pull them back when they try to revert to some image yeah. of of trying to be cool. Yeah. And I said, you know, you don't need to be cool for these three years you're in middle school. Right. You need to work hard That's right. for the next seven. And That's then right. you could be the coolest person in yeah. your neighborhood when you're successful after you go to college and sure. graduate sure. And, and start to have your own family. And I don't know where, like, where things changed. I mean, I graduated I from high school are- about... I graduated in 99, like yeah. 15, 16 yeah. years ago, and something just, it's a drastic change. I think they're angrier now. Mm-hmm. I think they're angrier. Mm-hmm. Young 
people are mad. Yeah. And I don't think they know why, but the absence of love, you know, because love gets rid of all of that. Yeah. And so many of them don't have anyone seeing about them, as we used to mm-hmm. say, making certain that they do their homework, that they're accountable to the mm-hmm. people. And children won't be perfect, and we shouldn't expect them to be perfect because we're not. That's right. And quite frankly, all of us who are grown should remember that we were knuckleheads, too, when we were exactly. kids. Exactly. But these kids are mad. Mm-hmm. These young men will shoot you and leave you twitching on the ground in a public place and won't even think twice mm-hmm. about it. They're that mm-hmm. angry. They won't even run off. Just won't, walk no, off. No, just walk off. They yeah. don't care. What? What? It, I'm going to go to jail and see some of my buddies. Mm-hmm. So I just think as a community, community entirely we owe it to these children to give them the best opportunity to succeed You're right. so let's let's fast forward ahead here and it's interesting to hear people how, how people think about issues like that you're in the legislature now and there are a lot of things going on let's start with the budget 1.6 billion dollar budget deficit mm-hmm. we have seen cuts to health care cuts to higher ed and we've got to cut someplace else or raise taxes in order to close this window mm-hmm. how do we do it ted I think that we first we have to look at our tax expenditures. Okay. Nobody wants to to raise taxes on on people. With the the budget situation, yes, the 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 oil prices, that's about 500 million, but we were at 1.1 billion before yeah. all of this happened. Um and we were there um after Katrina, we saw this huge influx and you know, I worked in in Governor Blanco's administration. She started the ball rolling with, um, with you know, clo- with with Steli. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next, when when Governor Jindal took office, they completely reverted back to pre Steli. And when you look at the numbers, everybody, every economist said that that was a bad move. But we were so flush with cash because of our hurricane recovery. Sure, we were like that that television show when people win the lottery and they yeah. just start yeah. you know spending 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 and not really planning. Um but we spend a lot of money on subsidizing large corporations here yeah. in the name of economic development. Give me ex- give me an example. The movie industry. Correct. Yeah, I, w- I was going to um, ask you about that. The with all of our refundable credits. We at this point you have no tax liability and we're paying you to do business in the state while we're closing hospitals and we're increasing tuition on a, I see that as a tax on families. Sure. We're outpricing people out of education and we have to ask everybody to share in this. Some some of our I'm on the appropriations committee. So mm-hmm. we have we have programs that are getting shut out when you look at our college campuses. We we talked about Southern. One of the first things that to go recruitment mm-hmm. that those student services when you're looking at hey am i going to pay my professors am i going to be able to um, keep our buildings and grounds am i going to be able to remain compliant with the um, americans for disabilities act or yeah. am i going to continue to pay recruiters when you look at our secretary of state the voter outreach program was completely cut we lead the, the the nation in the number of registered voters, but when you look at our voter participation, we are very low. So those are things that, that we absolutely need. Um, it's going to take some tough choices, um, and but we have to look at our our tax expenditures that I our wanna, taxes and budget. I want to get to get to that because specifically the movie tax credits. Mm-hmm. But I do have to ask. I had Representative John Schroeder here mm-hmm. a week ago, and I said this to him that. This is not a surprise that we were going to have a budget shortfall. Mm -hmm. So the governor clearly 
has his hand in this, mm-hmm. but so does the legislature. Most definitely. We, Your body, y'all can't be kept without blame on this. Most definitely. I, and my, I'll speak just for me. The last three budgets, I've, I voted for them. Mm-hmm. I voted against them all, leaving the House floor. We work extremely hard with the Senate to try to craft a budget that, yeah. that cuts government. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of my Republican colleagues want to see cut to government, and I want to see cuts too. I'm, I worked in state government, so I know that there are some there's some slush going on yeah. in the state government. But I also know that we have to fund critical services. Um, so my hands are, are in it as well. Um, we've had irresponsible budget that, you know, contingency fees we've spent, you know, one time. And, and the state has always done that. You know, it's, it's been a big push now. And I know John Schroeder is a very good friend of mine. Um, and I but know that's been going on. That, Spending one-time money for recurring expenses. It's, it's, it's been going it's, on. It has been. It's Most not definitely. just now. And this argument happens during every term of every, every governor. That's right. So I will. I, you, I'm, right. I agree with you that's on right. that. So and now it's 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 clear that Louisiana is in Governor Jinder's rear view. Yeah, it's it's in when we've been in his rear view. Now the legislature for a little while we have yeah. to make. <laughs> The tough decisions, and, Which and I are? know the tough decision. We have to look at our tax exemption budget. We have to look at other places to cut. So Schroeder says, in addition to having to consider a tax increase, and I think that anybody who's paying attention knows that we're going to have to do something. Mm-hmm. I for, I don't want a tax increase, but I think it's inevitable. Most definitely. But Schroeder also talked about cutting. Mm-hmm. Are there enough pots of money out there for you to cut? to be able to do this without slashing higher ed anymore because you know LSU Southern all these universities they're upset with the way the state's going because you're seeing these programs cut most definitely we have when 7 years ago the state funded higher education at about 70% and mm-hmm. 30% was self-generated i.e. fees and tuition from students now it's the exact opposite we are only investing in higher education to the tune of 30% while we're relying on the the students and through tuition and fees. Now their seventy percent of the higher education budget is now funded through fees and self generated funds on the university. So the state, what what it looks like to me is it's not a, a big priority. Mm-hmm. I look at the budget. There are certain contracts I voted to to cut contracts for, for in, in state government. I voted for that every single time and never passed the legislature. I have we have a lot of. Um, departments out there that that fund vacancies and, and a lot of these positions have been vacant. Yeah, they for hold years. these they hold, hold these spots to keep the money. That's right. They hold yeah. and and unfortunately because they know that this budget is is standing on a, a three leg table mm-hmm. um, and they know that every year we've had to go and do mid year budget cuts. So there, if it was a business, it'll be called smart accounting. Um, but so there are areas where, where we could cut. It's not going to get us to one point one billion. Right. Um, when you look at you know, we have to be, and I, I, I may have, I think when they rolled back Stelly, that was a unanimous decision yeah. from the legislature. A lot of the business and tax that's a credits, bill by Vic Stelly from right. some time ago, if you're wondering what Stelly is. So, Telly stack, a tax swap. Tax swap, yeah. that's right. So, and even with a lot of the economic development incentives, yeah. they probably were passed with an overwhelming majority of the legislature. So then how could that be? Because like I said, and you're a stand-up guy because you take responsibility for it. You're, part, you're trying to be a part of the solution, but you admit that when the problem was happening, you were kind of a part of that too. That's right. Which is quite refreshing for an yeah. elected official. But 
then what are the toughest decisions? The ones that make you go, man, this one's going to. This one's going to get us uh, hated on in every newspaper across the state. Yeah. Give me, give me a couple you know, of them. My th- the, the movie industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm right here. I'm from Baton Rouge. Sure. Um, I, I filed a bill two years ago, and no one else was talking about it. I wanted to cut it from from thirty percent to fifteen percent. I wanted to stop the transferability of the tax credits. We are number. We have a. A, a industry or a film that's that's filmed here, they have a tax liability of fifty million. They get a credit for a hundred million. Give them the fifty million, right. and then the other fifty million needs to stay in the state coffers. We shouldn't allow that to be transferred to other taxpayers who are not in the film industry. So, so here's the thing. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. People say it's good PR for Louisiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we got New Orleans here. That's right. We we get PR exactly. There aren't a great number of Louisianans working on exactly. these movie sets. Exactly. They're bringing in their own people. Mm-hmm. So we haven't done a good enough job of training our people mm-hmm. to be able to go and work yeah. on these movie sets. Yeah. And people say, well, if the movie industry, we don't do this, they'll leave and never come back. Okay. I'm perfectly fine with that <laughs> because the best PR for me is that Louisiana has a strong education system. Absolutely. Louisiana has strong health care. We're not closing hospitals and we aren't outpricing education. For Absolutely. People. And, you know, I know the locals and, and I know Mayor Holden is probably, if he's listening, he's probably upset. <laughs> but, you know, if the locals, if you guys want to continue to subsidize them, you, you think right. of some type of tax incentive right. because the budget that I see yeah. is the tune of close to $300 million a year going out to pay people to, to film movies here. And, and we don't I, get the direct no, 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 return no. on that not. investment. We do not. I mean, hotel stays and restaurants and maybe shopping at shops. Okay, but that's still not our people working, uh, being able to make a living to where they don't have to get governmental assistance, What's being that? able to take care of their family. That's what I want to see. That's, and if that's we're not, and, and, and you're not even saying cut it out totally. Exactly. You're just saying cut it in half. Yeah, and they, I have a bill this year that will require at least seventy percent of those um, hires to be Louisiana residents. I love it. You know, and these guys are kicking and screaming. Why? And when I hear someone say, "You know what? We'll just pick up and leave." That show you're Bye. not invested in Louisiana. <laughs> my concern re- rests with people who are Absolutely. invested in my community, my state, and the fact that we have movie trucks downtown. When I'm trying to get to court, I'm yes. trying to find somewhere yes. to park. Uh, that doesn't motivate me when we have billion dollar backlog in infrastructure projects. Right. You know, roads, bridges. We yeah. have bridges in the next ten to fifteen years will be completely. Um, destroyed yeah. in our state. We need money dedicated there. Movie industry, um, all of our refundable tax credits, um, the, the inventory tax, that's huge sure. right now. It's going to, you know, and, and I know some people, they don't want to make the tough decision to end the refundability. So the biggest, the best thing is to do, let's just cut the tax out altogether. Our school boards, our sheriff, our local governments, they, they rely on those dollars. Absolutely. We can make the the hard decision to, you know what, if we're not going to end the transfer, I mean the refundability, let's just refund it at 50%. And that refundable tax credit means you have paid your, your tax liability, but you have excess in credit. So we're going to give you that money back. Sure. Let, let's cut that to 50%. So when you are making these decisions with your colleagues in the House, and then y'all have to work with the Senate, I know that politics is involved in everything, but I kind of like you to take people listening to us behind the scenes of how give us an example of how someone being political can just 
screw up a deal mm-hmm. that actually would work for everybody. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you this: we we have a very strong governor, and he's made the governor's strong. always strong. Always. Constitutionally, right. our governor has right. a lot of power. Line item veto, absolutely. And and there are tough decisions that need to be made. But when you have a, a project in your district, and and for me, I get to hide behind this because I'm here in Baton Rouge. I'm yeah. in, I'm in the capital. Um, you know, we got folks that, that represent very small areas, very, mm-hmm. very poor mm-hmm. um, parishes. And I could, you know, be independent, but I have a lot of my colleagues who are who are friends of the administration. And in Baton Rouge, I could kind of hide behind some of the votes of, of my colleagues and sure. we're going to still get needed projects in Baton Rouge. Some of my colleagues in, the, in these smaller areas, you know, it's it's a choice whether I go against the administration or whether I bring home this important project to my district. An important pro- project to me would be buildings that serve the public or a road, infrastructure, things like that. Most definitely. Not slush fund. Most definitely. Gets, and, and, and that's that, a problem, yeah, Ted. That, that's a problem. Uh, but I will say that I haven't... Now, there, there are some folks out there that, that get a lot of slush. But when, when I'm in meetings with my colleagues behind the scenes, those tough decisions aren't just about slushy funds. Yeah. In, in my... In my experience, um, I have there are some you know small um, community centers that serve as not only a community center but it's attached to a city hall. Sure. And and this lo- this small locale, they can't they don't have the sales tax revenue, so they need help from the state. Um, those type things, you know, issues with um, the the airport here in Baton Rouge, that that expansion that we needed, we private funds help, local funds help, but there was a statement, and that although that that airport is in Baton Rouge, that's a, a regional yeah. and, a, and a statewide yeah. benefit, and and folks have those issues, and you know, right now with our, um, you know, we're an agricultural state. Mm-hmm. Um, our commissioner of ag, there are a lot of things that have been cut that is a way of life for some of our my colleagues that, that represent rural areas. Yeah. And cuts to his budget means a cut somewhere in their community that's going to be a, there's going to be a matching local effect. As but are well. you talking about a subsidy or or what? What are you talking? No, no, about? no I'm, I'm not talking about a subsidy. I'm talking about these, these programs that are, are being cut because of you know this budget programs situation. like what well we have like processing that that goes on in, in some of our um rural areas that's mm-hmm. managed by um our department of agriculture Mike strain certain Mike yeah. strain that they're testing that goes on um my good friend james arms he's up there by by fort polk mm-hmm. there, there are certain um programs that they are that service our military that are threatened right now and those those are veterans um and fort polk is the largest employer in his area right um so when you talk about cuts there, those trickle down in in Leesville, and they affect all aspects of government up there. Um, but you know the the slush funds, I I don't know where the money is, and I guess I'm not as friendly enough to the administration to be able to benefit um, from from some of those things. But there are like right now, there are certain projects that would benefit Baton Rouge that I just can't support because they aren't. Uh, necessity wow. right now. There, there are certain things that you know. Some there there are projects out there right now that I know would be a huge benefit. But it's but a want, not a need. It's, it's not a need. So what about non-governmental organizations, the NGOs? And Schroeder talked about that. What's your take on NGOs? If an NGO has a statewide benefit, I think that we need to to help 
those organizations. Statewide benefit as like the the American Cancer Society, right? Um, The um, what was it? What's another good one? American Cancer Society here. Um, in Baton Rouge, and I, I'll say this, McKinley Alumni Center used to get a lot of money. They had an unemployment program there. Sure. They had health care programs there. The mayor's office had a program there. They had a, a GED program. To me, that's something that would have warranted $100,000 in, in, a, in a $26 billion budget. It's not there anymore. And what you're seeing now, you're seeing those services have moved out of the mm. building. The the building is, is having a hard time keeping the lights on. Um, we have issues with, with the elevator there. And to certain folks, and I know if John Schroeder saw that, he would say, oh, why are we giving money to the McKinley Alumni Center? Those students that were getting those GEDs there, the health care program that, that folks couldn't get all the way um, to Earl K. Long when Earl mm-hmm. K. Long was there and yeah. Baton Rouge General, they could go and get a flu shot right there sure. in their community. They could go and get and see a doctor, see a nurse right there. And that money would have gone to support that. Do um, you think the the alumni of McKinley, because I've got friends who went to and that? graduated I from did. McKinley, yeah. and, and, and yeah. you did. Mm-hmm. Do you think the, could the alumni support it? Yeah, and, and we've we've been yeah. doing things to to help keep um, the building afloat, and and that's what you know other NGOs need to do. But there there are some NGOs that quite frankly have a regional or statewide impact. Now we have funds that support you know certain hot air balloon festivals right. that that go on. You know e- even Jazz Fest. We have you know tax credits that, sure. that benefit Jazz Fest. And, and uh, Super uh, Fest here beads. as well, right? Mardi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mardi Gras beads. People are going to buy Mardi Gras beads regardless. Yeah, you know, we yeah, they don't, are. We don't need to give sales tax credits um, for Mardi Gras beads because people are going to buy them anyway. Right. Right? Um, Jazz Fest. I work for the Department of Revenue. Jazz Fest gets a huge benefit from the state. People are going to go to Jazz Fest. The vendors in Jazz Fest are going to sell um, crawfish pies and um, lemonades, they're <laughs> going right. to sell those right. things. We Those are areas where we can cut. And no, it's not going to get us to one no. something big. But I do think it starts. It starts yeah. to, and, and those are tough decisions. Well, and then you, you create a routine of being more responsible most, with the people's most money. Definitely. Most definitely. So I, I like a lot of what you're saying, dealing with cuts where we can mm-hmm. cut them. Let's talk about higher ed especially in the mm-hmm. cuts to higher education. Mm-hmm. Just give me your opinion before I ask any questions, other questions about that. I think that, like I stated earlier, we, we were given a chart and it shows the, and, and this issue with higher education has been a problem in not just Louisiana. Oh, sure. But when we look at, we've had the highest percentage of money taken out of higher education. Mm-hmm. And for a state that ranks last in higher education, we need to be on the opposite side. Right. Um, but what does that mean? When And I hear what you're saying, and mm-hmm. I agree with the logic, but just mm-hmm. kind of take us through it. What does it mean when you say put more money into it? Okay. In, in what way? When, when, we're, when we cut our investment to higher education and we are relying on those campuses to raise money i.e fees and tuition that goes directly to those kids and their parents sure when universities are cutting the human effect is you get classes that are canceled which prolongs matriculation we heard this from students you get student services that that are cut so that extra aid that extra push that students needed is not there. Um, not all of our institutions have a strong athletic program that sure. could bail them out. LSU yeah. has been bailed out by the athletic. Phenomenal. And thank God. Athletic thank program. God for, for that. Absolutely. Um, all of our campuses 
can't speak yeah. to that. And we're talking um, about state institutions, yeah, just in case people most are definitely. you know they're state institutions, yes, yeah. not private institutions. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and there's a the argument, and I know it. Um, we have too many colleges and, and universities. It's, it's never going to change. Yeah. I told Schroeder, the yeah. lawmaker, I could imagine Ted James holding the press conference somewhere in Scotlandville saying, I'm going to pass a bill to close Southern. That's right. And like I said, your going away party will be right after that press conference. Most, most definitely. And that's for any lawmaker. So don't kid yourself, yeah. folks. The lawmakers who are saying this the most are ones who don't have colleges in their regions. Most definitely. I, and, and we heard each one of our institutions is had, serve, serves a purpose. Yes. Um, could there be some consolidation? Absolutely, there, there could, could. Some campuses say, you know what, this this program, we we only have about five students right. per unit. We we could cut there. That's the answer. Um, and and I think that a lot of our universities have have done that. Yeah. Um. Right now, if I think that, and and people, you know, talk a lot about, you know, when when it's a black caucus member speaking about it, they always equate it to Southern. Of course, I graduated from Southern twice. I, I was an adjunct professor there, so I'm on the alumni board, so yeah. I have an affinity for Southern. But the issues affecting Southern are affecting McNeese right? Um, because they, there's a, a same pool of students. Sure. Um, they're going to McNeese. They're going to Southeastern. They're going to ULM. So they're going to Grambling. Um, those issues or aren't Or ULL just, up the street exactly, here. Yeah. Exactly. Those issues aren't just, you know, Southern doesn't own those issues. Right. Um, but when you have, you know, the the – the type of student that goes to Southern, Southern can't survive by saying, you know, we're going to double the fees on those students. It's going to price people out of education. Um, and a lot of my colleagues that that's, they want limited government, but they want to still have their grips on higher education. Let's get out of the way. Yeah. You know, let uh, allow them to open up and operate like a business. Allow them the the leeway to go out there and compete. I have a bill right now that I know is not going to be popular, but it takes the admission standards criteria out of the hands of the Board of Regents and allows our universities to set their admissions. And, and the reasoning behind it for me, we I don't want to just go and say, all right, colleges, y'all just go and raise tuition. But you can expand the pool of your students if you were able to craft your own admissions criteria. And for certain institutions, if you got a 3.0 on the uh, GPA, but you didn't do too well on the ACT, you got a 16 where the, the state requires an 18, the university should be able to look at that entire student and say, you know what, I'm going to give that, that kid a chance. And we don't right. have to just force that kid to, to community college. Not only does it give that kid a, a chance to succeed, but it also gives our colleges and universities an opportunity to operate in their own, you know, market. Mm -hmm. We're losing kids right now to Jackson State because Jackson State, they waived out-of-state fees in Mississippi. Yeah. They, they waived out-of-state fees in Jackson State. They relaxed admission standards. And I know that there's a conversation, oh, we don't want to dumb down college education. And, and, I, don't and I don't think, think we do. we're dumbing it down. No. I don't think we're dumbing it down. But we're giving, we're doing for the fiscal folks, we're allowing them to save themselves. Sure. Um, for the folks that want limited government, we are, we are cutting red tape with the Board of Regents and we don't have to go here and ask permission to do this and, and wait for another meeting and wait for another appointee. But, to, but let to me ask you, though, the other side of that, do you think that because it's possible mm -hmm. that if you do this, there will be universities who will cook the books, mm -hmm. who will lower standards mm -hmm. just to be able to get people into the universities because that means cash. How do you protect against that? You know, and it's with, with the bill, because it's a constitutional amendment, I couldn't get so specific. Sure. Um, but there may be 
some sliding scales yeah. that could be done. Hey, if you have to a do GPA, yeah. most of because I I wouldn't want Southern or anybody else to take a kid with a 2.0 GPA and a 14 on the ACT Absolutely. and say, okay, I'm gonna give him, I'm Absolutely. gonna give him a chance because that kid needs to go to community college and and he hadn't and, earned it or she exactly. hadn't earned most, it most definitely. and that's a problem. Most People definitely. getting things they haven't most earned. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But if a kid has a 3.0 and a 16 sure. on the ACT, sure, that kid shouldn't be locked out sure. of, of an opportunity. Especially if they're um, working and they want to try. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. And if, if that kid is showing the will to try to in, improve that situation, I don't want that, that kid to be locked out. Um, because, and, and a lot of my colleagues, they'll admit, you know, if, if we were judged on the same admission standards that the students are judged on, a lot of us wouldn't have been able to right. go to the colleges that we went to. And I think that we have to start putting ourselves in that mind frame because it's easy. It's it's an easy decision to say, you know what, you guys just go raise tuition. That's that's the easy thing mm-hmm. to do, um, you know. And for, and for the LSU's of the world, that that might not be a problem for Louisiana mm-hmm. Tech. That may not be a problem sure. for the LSU regional, is a well-run operation. Most definitely, most definitely. And for our smaller regional institutions, you're pricing kids out, and then tops. That's a, yeah. that's another thing. I'm I'm probably the only member of the legislature to have benefited. From tops, that's right. Um, being so, so one I, of the younger I, ones, exactly, right? Yeah. I recognize the importance of tops, but when tops is tied to tuition, every time we're asking um, the students to to pay more tuition and we're cutting higher education, we're still putting money back into the pot because we got to pay for tops. But a kid has to earn tops. It, a kid has to earn tops, and you know the the articles that went out last year about you know, excuse me, the majority of tops. Being kids from from well off, I know a lot of kids that received tops that came from you know low income. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm not gonna you know yeah, get, we won't even dignify that. that. Yeah, but as a state, everyone we've been studied to death. Yeah, and everybody that that comes here says you guys need to make a, a bigger investment in need based aid. We spend about three hundred million in what tops. What does that mean? We spend, need-based We have aid. goal grants that. Not, are not married based. They're tied to eligibility for Pell grants. Um, we spend about three hundred million for tops, and and Gold Grants has remained flat at about twenty four million a year. And it could the cap it, it goes from like three hundred dollars to three thousand. Um, and they're allocated to our different schools and for students that that need that gap, they need to fill that financial gap. But how do we be certain a that a kid? Grant. Okay, a kid gets a Pell grant. Mm-hmm. How do we be certain that this kid doesn't? get this additional grant that you're talking about and then after half a semester mm-hmm. at a university go boots up and then leaves but we just spent this money yeah i mean we, we can't be certain with tops the, you know well, this the, is true the, too the, because the, kids the lose graduation tops. Yeah, rate of absolutely tops is, is not that's a at, fair point. not at 100 fair point um but there are with with the need base aid i would you know, require those students to have some type of work study, mm-hmm. require them to, to work in that library, require them to work in that cafeteria, require them to work in buildings and grounds to say, you know what, I appreciate that investment Absolutely. that you gave him. And nothing in this world is free. Nothing. Right? Nothing in this world is free. Um, but I wish that we had a 100% graduation rate with all of our assistance programs. Um, and I don't know how we just force everybody that's a, a recipient to, to graduate, but you get some work out of them by making them participate in some type of, you know, work study or Absolutely. some type of investment into um, the institutions. And, and there's some folks that talk about the graduation rate of tops students. You, you think that it should be 100 percent. But one of the it's misconceptions, not gonna be it's not going to be 100 percent. And tops nor the Pell Grant 
pays the entire sure. student need. Sure. Um, there these fees that my my colleagues are, are voting for this session to increase fees that that's not tops mm-hmm. right and it's a way to get around tops right and to make not make the tough decision about tops and saying okay well let's just keep tops what it is but allow the students to allow the universities to charge these extra fees sure right so what that does for certain students that only widens that gap between the educational need and that award if it's tops Pell grant for me i had tops and a Pell grant right <laughs> um so because i fell in the need base aid yeah. but i also worked my butt off to to receive tops well, and I and was you, able, look at what you did exactly. with yourself you graduated and, you got a law degree yeah and i was able to, to have some money at the, the the semester to buy my books right so it was it, it worked it worked out you know now let me ask you here, in, in the last 10, 15 minutes or mm-hmm. so we got together, I'm going to just say a name, and then I want your honest opinion. I think <laughs> no, you know what name is coming. This is hard. Bobby Jindal. Disappointment. And, why, why? and Bobby Jindal is, is a brilliant man. No question. Um, but a That's a word I would use, too, by the way. Disappointment. doesn't equate to leadership. Nope. And I have, no, I have my own ambitions. Yeah. Right? The, the best way I believe Nothing's to, wrong with him exactly. being ambitious. Nothing is even wrong with him wanting to run for president. Nothing is I've wrong. never had a problem exactly. with that. But A, don't deny it when we can see that's exactly. what's going on. And B, just do the job and we elected B, you to do. do the that's job all. That, that we've elected you to do. Show some yeah. concern. Absolutely. You know, lead here. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a better story. Yeah. That's a better, better presidential story for I, me. I agree. You know, and I know that the anti-administrate the anti-obama thing is very strong in louisiana but when you look at what happens in presidential elections i would venture to say if you can show that you had that leadership like that the governor of of, of arkansas when he said you know what i don't like medicaid expansion but i'm not gonna allow billions of dollars to go unused in arkansas so i'm gonna craft my own program and he had huge support from Republicans and Democrats alike. Yeah. My issue is you're saying no, but you, you don't have the time to even craft a proposal that would work in Louisiana because you're so tied up in no governor should be away from the state 40% of the time, right? Yeah. You know, and and if, if everything was going well, we didn't have a $1.5 billion deficit, and we didn't have issues with, with higher education, K-12 through education, because he touts his education reform, but most sure. of it is still tied up in courts. And it's, it's fallen apart. It hasn't really most happened. Definitely. Most you definitely. know, the most amazing thing about this, and I don't know how it played with your colleagues in the legislature, because he, he was fought on both sides, mm-hmm. but the coalition of people supporting him mm-hmm. when he was doing this education reform for K through 12 mm-hmm. was different for Louisiana. It was black. It was white. It was Republican. It was Democrat. It was kind of one of those amazing things mm-hmm. you see that he had created this. Mm-hmm. And then it's all kind of fallen apart. And many of the people who may have been with him on that, mm-hmm. they're against him now. Well, I'll tell you this. When you look at the Democrats, most of those Democrats that voted for it were, aside from the New Orleans folks, sure. uh, most of them were committee chairman or vice chairman, right? So there was some type of incentive there. Right. And um, I know that we had that vote again. Um, so there, there was some. Well, you know, some hindsight is twenty twenty. There, they, there was some twisting of yeah. arms there. Um, but with those things, once it's because all politics is local. Yeah. So once our local school board started losing money because of you know the kids that are going to vouchers sure. or these pop up, and I don't have a problem with charters. I have a problem with these pop up charters that are run by organizations that hustlers, don't have, exactly, hustlers, man, that don't have yeah. a demonstrated 
um, track record, track record yeah. of success. That, I that's am my with you 100. That's my issue. People can't argue with that position by you, and at the same time say we need to cut money that's going to places that we can't uh, we can't track. There you go. Nothing's there wrong go. with charter schools, yeah. but somebody can't just wake up one morning and say, "Hmm, I'm going to start a charter school," and then in three months they've got five hundred thousand dollars to get started because that mm-hmm. money's going to go to them. Uh, we talked about the governor. Mm-hmm. And again, disappointed. I thought the man was going to do a great job. Mm-hmm. I honestly did have have been let down. What about the state Democratic Party? What's wrong with y'all, man? Y'all can't get a y'all can't get a statewide Democrat elected, bro. What's up? Yeah, it's it's a problem, <laughs> man. And um, you know, and I think that Bill Cassidy ran what I thought was the easiest campaign to run because of the the anti administration. I it, it was effective. I'm supposed it was, to talk. It was He'll effective. be on in a couple it's of weeks. Very here. effective. Yeah. Um, with what's if we can't, we have you know two. We have one. Uh, we got a gubernatorial candidate. We got a, a lieutenant governor candidate. We got a secretary yeah. of state. If all of the things that have gone on in the the past seven years with the Republican governor and the Republican legislature that we've had, if the people won't ask I, for I, a change, I, I now, don't think it's going to change. I, you know, it's it's. I think Louisiana is in the middle of one mm-hmm. of those ebbs. You know, there are ebbs mm-hmm. and flows in That's politics. That's right. It happened. There is a majority number of, of elected Democrats, of, of registered Democrats mm-hmm. in Louisiana. By they far. They just aren't voting but, for Democratic and, and they're voting for Republican candidates. Mm-hmm. Louisiana is a very red state mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Two of the elected statewide Republicans got elected as Democrats. Exactly. John Kennedy did, and so did the Attorney General mm-hmm. Buddy Caldwell. Mm-hmm. It's hard for a Democrat to win in Louisiana right now, statewide. You know, and even the legislature, we we lost the control not because of elections, because of switch people switching you know, people parties. Switching parties. Um, and you know, right now, if if people looked at, and I'll say our our Democratic candidate, people looked at, at John Bell. John Bell is pro life. John Bell is a big supporter of the Second Amendment. Oh, yeah. is, is rated high sure. NRA. He's he's military. But this is Louisiana. It's it's Louisiana. <laughs> and the sad thing is, people are only going to look at the letter behind his name. That's the new right? politics. Um, and sometimes that backfires on you because just definitely. because someone has an R next to their name doesn't mean they're conservative. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, and and we had a guy in the governor's race that was a, a Democrat a few years ago, right? Um, and he switched because he changed with the time. And I just I have a big issue with with those folks that don't that aren't led by their convictions. Mm. I mean, in my race, I ran against two people that that, that switched just because of the race. Like yeah. when, when they looked at the demographics, you know, I had a person I was in a runoff with announced as a Republican, and two weeks before qualified, changed to be a Democrat. Those type things are, are why people don't trust us. You yeah. know, move by yeah, and I mean, and some people say, well, it's a numbers game. So she looked at the numbers and decided, hey, you know, I need to to switch teams. But it it goes to you know, there's not a, a real conviction about sure. what you what you're doing. Um, and you know, it's funny when you look at you know, we have Democratic mayors in all the major cities. Oh, sure. Um, you know, judges all over the place, local. Um, officials, but we hadn't been able to to get that that statewide yeah. um, appeal yet. I, mean, I think we had a, a great chance. Um, it's, gonna it's gonna swing, swing back. Somewhere. It always yeah. swings one yeah. way or the other. So yeah. when are you running for mayor? That's a good question. Um, I'll say like, are like you interested agenda. in running for mayor? Don't tell me. Don't give me. I got the job I want. <laughs> I was about to give you that one. <laughs> that, that's what you were gonna get. Uh, but you know, I I am born and raised in, in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I have an affinity. 
for Baton Rouge. And I'll tell you that I have been approached. Sure. I have been I've been asked about it. And that is very encouraging. Are you thinking about it? I'll tell you that no door is closed. All right. So that means you're thinking about it. Of course. Come I think on. About you've been of course a, I think apolitical sitting here all this time. And now you're going to start <laughs> dancing on me. Are you th- so on a scale of one to ten? Because I know that you're married, and so decisions mm-hmm. about your life are decisions about your wife's life. Most you know, you make decisions together in any good marriage. So Most you, you know, so then on a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. ten being I am in next year, <laughs> one being I'm not. Because see, you could still run for re-election and win, or Most run definitely. for another seat and win, and not have to relinquish that seat to run mm-hmm. for mayor. Mm-hmm. So one to mm-hmm. ten. Tell the truth now. <laughs> Am I under oath? Yes, well, yes, you are, counselor. Tell I'll, the truth. I'll tell you on the on the intrigue scale. That's not that's not what I asked you. On a scale of one to ten, it's about a four. Okay, it's, it's about okay. a four. Four that you will be doing it. Four that that I'm I'm very encouraged about the idea. And, you and cannot I think, help yourself. You've been around politicians I'm too dancing, long, man. I'm, I'm really dancing. This you is, see my feet under the table right now. This is unfortunate, Ted. And you know, I'll, I'll say this. I. I have a real love for the city parish. Um, I I see there there are different things that right now I have this conversation. If I would if I were mayor for a day, there would be a lot of things that that I would do like um, like the the approach with the the tax proposal. You got to work with the metro council first. Yeah, you have to get get some some buy in first. The you know some of our tax dedications. We need to ask the voters to to look at those things again, um, because I don't think it's a wise investment to rebuild the library downtown. Oh, I, I don't think that that's a that's a wise yeah. investment. And I know it was it was approved with the idea that the main library would be downtown. Yeah. The main library is not downtown. The main library is a beautiful library. I was On there Goodwood. two weekends ago. Yeah. On Goodwood. Yeah. You have to look at. The, the tax dedications there, like we we've done in the state, we, sure. we they're called robbing, you know, sweeping funds. Yeah. I don't I don't suggest sweeping funds, but we have to look at our tax dedication. Nobody should be asking for a, a tax increase right now. I saw Brick; they don't need to ask for one. The library board they're way off by asking for one, but we have to look at those tax dedications and see how we get those things like the mental health component that what is about so that? desperately needed. Let's, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. We have a problem Most in Louisiana with people who are in need of mental assistance walking the streets mm-hmm. of our cities, and mm-hmm. it's happening all over, not mm-hmm. just in New Orleans, not just in the capital city, and a lot of towns. Mm-hmm. People with mental issues, schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. uh, some military veterans with PTSD are Mm -hmm. walking the streets. And I'm wondering, you know, how did that get so bad? You know, when when you talk to some of the the mental don't worry, I'm coming back to the mayor thing. You're not off the hook yet. (laughs) When you talk to some of the mental health advocates, when when you look at some of the the cuts to hire, I mean, to health care, some of those programs were were the first to go Um, when the need is. It's obvious that it's there, yep. and, and everybody agrees. That's yep. not a that's not a partisan nope. issue. The conviction and the courage to actually do something about yes. it. We, the 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 mayor was on the right track with. You know, we can't just lock these folks up and have them sitting in in parish prison because they're right. not going to get the services that they need. Correct. You know, some of them, their family, they're going to go to find a lawyer. They're going to get out on bond, and then they're going to go back out into a world with, with no services. Mm-hmm. We have to make that a part of our rehabilitation. You have to have some type of um, separate intake for it. It's clear when these folks are out in the street. You have to have some type of 
um, intake process for them as opposed to just sitting in in the parish jail. It's just I agree with you. It's not um, a prudent way to do it. It's not being you know tough on crime is one thing. Smart on crime is 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 where we need to go. Well said. Um, So. Does does that need to be a, a tax increase? I don't know. Um, our priorities. I know we just the city council just approved twenty two hundred fifty thousand dollars for Miss America, and yeah. then that Miss America they're gonna get about last year they got about a four million dollar tax check from the state. So is that a wise investment when you have all these other needs? You know, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not on the metro council, and I'm sure that there are other <laughs> things that that came into play. Um, but I don't see that as a as a huge benefit to it, it, I think you're right it, the it, city it goes better to help these people because it's definitely. it's heartbreaking to see that Most so definitely. now Sharon Broom is running for mayor I know you mm-hmm. respect Senator Sharon Weston Broom so definitely. you know if you decided she, she's my senator if you decided to do this y'all would be locking horns and as uh, the the EBR sheriff once said about politics great line that politics is a full contact sport Most definitely. So, Most definitely. so does that play a part in your decision making at all and and to be clear ted mm-hmm. has not said he's running yeah. I'm, I'm asking about it but if you were going to move down that road does that affect your decision at all that not she's running all. not at all um and and i think that it it bodes well for the parish to have a slate of candidates with with various experiences mm-hmm. um and and be able to speak to those and it shouldn't be like like just picking straws and you get the luck of the straw. You should sure. have, you know, viable options. So the, the fact that she's running and I have the utmost respect. She's my senator. We live sure. we live in the same um, neighborhood. Um, but if I ultimately decided to run, um, the fact that she's running wouldn't be wouldn't move the needle either way. Well, we're going to see what happens. Listen, when the session's over, I'd love to have you back here. There's so many other things we could have gotten into today. But it's been a fun hour sitting here chatting with you. Hopefully you had a good time. I did. Yeah, didn't make you sweat too much at the end, right? Well, I'm dancing. My my feet are hurting, Clay. (laughs) Uh, But look, I I, I certainly appreciate you. Um, Thank you, sir. And I've had the the pleasure of of following you as well. And um, I appreciate what you're doing. This is definitely needed. The, The people need to hear um what's going on um and from your days on television to to radio (laughs) i followed you um a long time and i appreciate you know what you're doing um and you know we talk about those positive influences in our community you are certainly one um so i appreciate that and hope that you can continue and and whatever i could do to assist just let me know to whom much is given, much shall be required. Exactly. I try to live by that, and I will. And I, and I think what you're doing is great. I do think you're a rising star. I don't think you're going to finish your political career in the House of Representatives. I think you know it. You're ambitious. And, you know, I, I like how you said, you know, every opportunity is out there. And I okay. think you should, because when you're in service, the more people you can help, the fewer people who need help. Exactly. So, but thanks, Representative Ted James. Thank you. This time of the year is great for our family. It's getting warmer, so there are more things to do outside. We love watching our kids play in the yard. What we don't like is having to treat our kids for fire ant or mosquito bites. My husband doesn't like waiting around, so he goes to Pest Stop. At Pest Stop, we can get the same stuff the pros use, and our home, our yard, and gardens are good to go. That means no ants, no mosquitoes, no termites, no spiders, and no regrets. We save time and money, and we don't have to go to the big box stores. Do what we do. Treat your home, yourself, with the products at Pest Stop. You won't regret it. 
Here's Pest Stop founder John Conroy to tell you where you can find one of the stores. Well, in Metairie, we're at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill. On the North Shore, we're at 1417 North Highway 190. That's in the same shopping center as Sherwin-Williams. On the West Bank, we're on the Palco just past the Harvey Bridge. And in Baton Rouge, we're at 806 O'Neill Lane. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. That was a really good conversation with State Representative Ted James. I enjoyed it. We got into a lot of heavy stuff there, and we talked, gosh, for I guess I guess about an hour. If you're listening to this now, and I think we will have him back. There are other issues to deal with, and I look forward to talking with him again. He is a rising star, and I do believe that his uh, final office will not be in the legislature. I think that he is on to other things, and so hopefully, you guys enjoyed the the interview and that you will send me your feedback at Clay Young BR on Twitter or on Facebook. And if you're on neither, you can go to podcast225.com. There is an email link there, and you can email me your comments. As I said earlier in the show, I try to reply to all of them on the day that I get them. Sometimes it's a day, maybe two days after, but I always try to reply. And some of the emails or comments that I've gotten are not all compliments. As long as someone's not being an idiot... If you have a constructive criticism, I always want to hear it. Someone who's just trying to jerk my chain to piss me off. I'm, I don't, I don't, too many other things going on in the, in the day to deal with that. And fortunately, knock on wood, I've not had that to deal with. And so I appreciate that from you guys. Coming up next week, we will talk with Joel Bowie, who is a sitting city councilman in Baton Rouge. And Richard Condon makes his return. Yep, Condon's coming back. Enough said. After that, the following show will be an interview with U.S. Senator, newly elected U.S. Senator Dr. Bill Cassidy about the election last year, the politics that went on behind the scenes as well as out front, and a great number of things. You'll just have to listen to that. I expect that conversation to be really, really good, and I hope that you will enjoy it. That's coming up in two weeks. And after that, George Sells, who used to be the Chief anchor for WAFP-TV in Baton Rouge, one of the more decorated newsmen in Louisiana's history. And he will join me to tell you what he's been up to since he retired from being in front of the camera and to give you an inside look (laughs) at how feisty George Sells is. We spoke earlier today, and uh, he, he is still very, very feisty, very, very opinionated. And you will hear those opinions when he joins us on the show (laughs) here at Podcast 225. All right, that gets it for me. I appreciate you spending so much time with me listening to our interview, and we enjoy hearing from you. Please never forget uh, to remember the men and women who defend this country on a daily basis. Remember the 22. We lose 22 of them a day, and we certainly need you to get involved. We need to be involved. If you see a veteran out on the streets, if you see a young person who is in uniform or anybody in uniform, just tell them you appreciate their service. It's very, very important. It is indeed the very least that we can all do. All right, again, that gets it for us. Guys, enjoy the rest of your day, or if you're wrapping up the day, enjoy the rest of your evening. It's been our pleasure, again, to have you here with us on The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit it. Subscribe. It'll go into the little podcast app on your iPhone, and if you're not using an iPhone, you could uh, listen to us online, and we're working on a solution for you, too. Have a great one, and see you next week on The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.